Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. As you all know, Stephanie Abramson is my Friday podcast host, so welcome to the show, Stephanie. Hi, Susie. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. So excited to have you here. So um, Stephanie's been our Friday podcast for, I'd say, a month now, and eventually I'll trail off on Fridays because um, you hear my voice and probably get tired of my voice every day of the week. But I will say I'm super excited to introduce our guest today, Terry Givens. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, you two meet each other. Let's have a great conversation. We'd love to learn more about you. Great. Hi, Ter- Hi, Terry. It's nice to meet you. Thank you um, for spending some time with us today. Yes, it's absolutely my pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your education, um, what you're doing? Exactly. I'm very happy to do that. I am... Uh, have a, I'll try to keep it short because I have had a very eventful life, but um, I am a pl- professor of political science. I got my PhD at UCLA and I grew up in Spokane, Washington, first generation college goer. I'm very proud of that fact. Nice. Um, and uh, did my undergrad at Stanford University and I actually live now in Menlo Park right next to Stanford. And I just remember when I was an undergrad at Stanford, always dreaming about living in this area and um, you know, now I do, so it's wonderful, but um, I've been very entrepreneurial throughout my career, although I spent most of it in academia. Um, I started a company when I was in Austin, Texas, at the University of Texas at Austin, um, called Take Back the Trail, that focused on fitness for women, um, and that lasted about three years until I realized I couldn't be a full-time professor and a full-time business owner, <laughs> um, so, uh, but I've had a very successful academic career as well. I've written many books, and um, I, I, for example, I just recently did a textbook on comparative immigration politics, but my real passion right now is around issues around race and, and uh, diversity, and so um, I've been working for many years on those topics within academia, and um, have been uh, writing a book on the uh, radical empathy, um, bridging divides, and and trying to help people understand how to work together on issues of race and diversity. Which seems even more um, uh, necessary and needed and evident this time. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think the timing of this book couldn't be any better. I think this is a really interesting time in our history. I think it's one of those inflection points. Uh, you know, I think back to the 1960s when you had the uh, civil rights movement and now we have the Black Lives Matter movement. And what's really impressive to me is how so many people from not just the Black community, but all communities are coming together right now and saying, yes, you know, what, after having watched what happened to George Floyd and others saying, yes, Black Lives Matter and really understanding what that means. I think that's really important. You know, you mentioned the 1960s and just coincidentally, I was doing some research on the side um, for another project that I was working on um, that um, uh, refreshed my memory of uh, Resurrection City, Mm -hmm. um, which obviously has many different components of it that are are relevant today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What... um, you obviously have had a very um, vast and varied uh, background. 
what would you say um, is your proudest professional accomplishment? I would say my proudest moment was when I decided to actually leave academia and start my current business, the Center for Higher Education Leadership, because, you know, it was, people thought I was crazy <laughs> leaving academia. But I also knew that it was important to me to start something that could, I, I, I had spent 20 years in academia and I could see the problems. You know, academia, if you read about academia today, you'll hear colleges and universities are in crisis. They've been in crisis. And I saw that up close and personal. And I realized that I was gonna have a harder time trying to change that within an institution versus being outside of an institution. And so I've basically made it my mission to try and save as many institutions of higher education as possible, particularly um, small private liberal arts colleges who are under so much stress and, and even before COVID and now with COVID and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, they're under so much stress and strain. And so my goal is to really help those institutions make it through these difficult times and come out even better and stronger. Um, has it, I would think it would pose a challenge, um, particularly with social distancing to be able to do that, or maybe not, maybe um, you've created or been able to sort of implement um, some alternatives to be able to meet those challenges. I mean, I'm just curious um, how that has affected you and your work with the fact that we're obviously living in a world where social distancing is in play. Yes, and we were blessed from the beginning because when I started the center a year and a half ago, we decided to be completely online. And our main function is to provide um, leadership training and information and courses for people in higher ed, but we're also do consulting. And so we were already online. Um, and actually, you know, one of the reasons we went online is because I firmly believe that you can save money by doing things virtually. Um, you can, uh, you know, so if I'm doing consulting for you and I'm doing it virtually, it's going to cost you a lot less if I, you're not having to pay for my airfare and hotel and you know, in all the time that it takes to travel and so on. So we already had a model that was focused on being online. And I, I do believe in general for higher ed, you know, things like online learning and you know, we, we're being forced to do it now, but a year over a year ago, I believe that that was, was really the future. And, you know, for me, it, it's a, an issue of sustainability um, and not just from the perspective of, you know, saving the environment, but just sustainability in terms of having a business model that allows institutions to get the highest quality services, but not having to pay for all these ancillary costs that aren't necessary. Um, I'm sure that um, the students that you meet with and you talk with, that they're looking for mentors or, mm -hmm. um, uh, or maybe have a mentor. I'm curious, um, who has been your quote-unquote best inspirational mentor in your life? Well, I was incredibly lucky to spend 12 years of my career at the University of Texas at Austin, and my most inspirational mentor there was um, Admiral Bobby Inman, um, and you may recognize his name from, you know, he was uh, uh, very active in the government, um, and led many government institutions, but also was uh, for a short time uh, the dean of the LBJ School of Public Policy at the University of Texas at Austin. And, um, you know, he's somebody who I really was just impressed with in terms of his, uh, you know, leadership ability. You know, he was a really great role model in terms of, 
you know, what it means to be, uh, and in, you know, leading with empathy in the sense of, you know, really trying to understand the needs of the people he was uh, working with. And also, um, you know, he was just, you know, in terms of the things he had accomplished throughout his career. Um, but, you know, what I really found out when I was at the University of Texas at Austin is you need more than just a mentor. You need what I call a sponsor. And the sponsor is somebody who actually not only just gives you advice and, and tells you, you know, things how to you know, improve your career, but also, you know, opens up opportunities. And so Admiral Inman was somebody who um, opened up opportunities for me in, in various ways throughout my time at UT Austin and has been an ongoing supporter of my current business. And so, um, you know, I really use him as a role model when I look at how I want to be as a mentor. It's not just being a mentor, it's helping people find opportunities that I think is, is uh, you know, that added bonus when you find the right person. I think that's so important. I mean, particularly now and particularly for young people. You, um, empathy um, is something that um, is a theme that um, is overarching in terms of what you do, correct? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's Absolutely. what guides you or informs you. Can you tell me just a little bit more about that? Why it would seem that it would be obvious why that's important today particularly, um, but can you tell me a little bit more about that? I mean, I know that you mentioned Admiral, um, you know, uh, that that empathetic uh, quality was something that drew you, but can you tell me for yourself? Yeah, um, um, absolutely. Yeah, because for me personally, you know, you know, I'm 55 years old and, you know, I've lived through a lot of different eras in, in this country. And, and one thing I realized is, you know, sometimes we don't have empathy for ourselves. And so, you know, I'm, I, I'm the kind of person who tends to be hard on myself, you know, you can call it imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, one of the things I've, I've worked really hard on throughout my career is, you know, maintaining my confidence. And, but um, I realized, you know, as I was working on, you know, understanding kind of my own personal history and, and how that has impacted me throughout my life is that I needed to have empathy for the way I was raised and, and for, you know, how I've turned out as a person and so on. And so that's how, what got me working on this book on radical empathy is I realized, you know, we all have bias and we all live in these broader structures that, you know, were there before we were born for the most part in terms of how we deal with race and so on. And if we understand that and realize that, you know, we are a product of, you know, our environment and how we were raised and all these things and, 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 you know, and understand that there's things like internalized depression and so on that impact us. Then, you know, for me, it was a revelation. It's like, okay, you know, I may have these biases, but I don't have to be driven by them, you know, and I live in the society, but we can try to change it. And so to me, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, I have empathy for you. I understand what you've been through. Maybe I don't even understand it, but I, I can empathize with the fact that you've been through these experiences, but you have to actually, um, you know, understand yourself to understand others. Cause I'm much more open to the experiences of others having spent the time to work on my own internal uh, issues and, and understanding, you know, where I come from. So now I'm can be more open to others. And then to me, the third step is then, you know, practicing empathy. We all have to practice because, you know, even if you are, I consider myself to be a very empathic person, but I have to practice empathy, particularly for people who are different from me. 
And, and that's something I don't think we talk enough about. It's one thing to have empathy, but it's easy to have empathy for, for you know, somebody who's close to you or, or you know, even somebody who's similar to you. It's much harder to have empathy for somebody who's different from you. So I really believe we have to practice empathy and then we have to um, take action and create change. Because if you're just practicing empathy and you empathize, if you aren't taking action and creating change, then that's, you know, you're just not really having an impact. And so if you want to have an impact, my argument is you really have to have do those last two steps, which are taking action and, and finding ways to impact those issues that are important to you and then creating that change. So being proactive. Yes, absolutely. Um, this is, you know, this might put you on the spot, but I'm just curious if you think that empathy is something that the younger you are, the more adaptable or the more likely one can um, sort of be empathetic. Mm -hmm. Think that just sort of being able to find that early in life or being able to tap that into someone earlier in life is probably more beneficial than being able to help someone make those adjustments or be in tune to that later in life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I look at, I have two sons, one 16, one 19. And, you know, I look at their, the way they approach life and, you know, they're much more open to so many things that I had no idea about when I was their age, you know? Uh, and so I do think younger people tend to be more open to new people and new experiences. And, um, what you know, I think what we have to do, is, and that's I think the the critical time when you're developing empathy is when you're young, and so I, I look at that younger generation, and, and I have a lot of hope because I see that they are um, they do have a lot of empathy and that they act on it. I mean, it's the young people who are out in the streets now and who are you know pushing for change, and so yes, I I do think that's true, and also you know it's a time in life when you know, you're more malleable just in terms of, you know, as you're developing your brain and things like that. I'm a psychologist could understand that better than me. But um, I, yeah, I do think that that is a, uh, an important component of it is that, you know, as you're younger, you're, you're probably more open to differences and to, you know, understanding people. Um, our podcast, as you know, is, um, you know, is about lifting uh, women up or and mm -hmm. and sort of being a, a, a ray of light a, a source for that and I um I think we both could agree that um, women should lift each other up um, that said how would you advise other women to support women in business mm -hmm. yeah I think that is so critical and I've joined lots of organizations that support women in business and and, you know, even when I was back in Austin, um, I belonged to several organizations. So I think, you know, I've always been very much into networking um, and, you know, having those spaces where women can come together and support each other. Um, I think, and, and obviously we can't do it face to face now, but um, there's lots of opportunities to join you know, different organizations and have virtual meetings now. And, and to me, I think women, um, need to step up and you know start I, I'm seeing more for example uh, women venture capitalists we need to be able to step up and support other women you know when you get right down to it we, need, we all need money <laughs> just you know keep our businesses going so there's two ways to do that one is investing the second is to purchase from women and so 
you know, one easy way to do that is to, when you're shopping, whatever you're doing, you know, look for women businesses to buy from, um, especially around things like services and so on. Um, you know, manufacturing is a little harder to do, but when it comes to, um, you know, all the various services we all need, you know, supporting women businesses and searching them out. I mean, one thing I've found that's really helpful for that is I really use LinkedIn a lot um, to connect with other women in business and find out what their products are and how I can support them. And, you know, my one of my cousins just started a new company, so I got a subscription. It's a, a coffee and, and self-care gift thing monthly. And so like, oh, you know, I can do that. So, you know, I, I especially really enjoy supporting young women who are entrepreneurial, like my cousin. Um, and I have another cousin who has a little business. So, you know, I think there's lots of ways we can, you know, support them. And, and I'm eventually hoping, you know, if my business goes well, that I'll be able to, um, you know, help out with, uh, you know, actually be, you know, venture capital. So if I, you know, if my business goes really well, um, I really want to start investing in other women's companies be, and because I think that's, we just haven't, if, I mean, women get what, 2% of the venture capital these days. So, you know, that's something we have to change. <laughs> I mean, I think that what you're saying is so inspiring and just the very simple fact of, as you said, looking, researching and finding um, female businesses that exist and then supporting them, you know, um, and purchasing their products and, and lifting them up. I think um, particularly now with businesses across the board, um, you know, struggling during the pandemic, I think that um, that's just a, a very simple, basic, and wonderful idea. And I mean, thank you for mm -hmm. um, for sharing that and for suggesting that. I think that's such a great idea. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of challenges today, um, mm -hmm. what would you say, or um, what has been your biggest challenge or setback, uh, and how did you overcome it? Can you share that with us? Yeah, um, you know, probably my biggest challenge was, you know, and, and I mentioned, you know, I was most proud of the fact that I left academia, but my biggest challenge was getting to that point. You know, I knew that there were issues with, um, you know, the way I was being treated. Yeah, it's hard being a black woman when you're in an in a institution or, or just academia in general is so dominated by white males. And we don't always get the respect that we deserve. And, you know, so in any case, um, that, you know, I had to figure out how to make my way. And, you know, I made it all the way up to being a provost. My last position before I left higher ed was uh, provost of Menlo College. And so I'm very proud of the fact that I got there, but it was very challenging to work my way through, you know, all the different ways that people try to undermine you or gaslight you. And, you know, also just coming to this conclusion that, you know, it was going to be better for me. You know, I, t I talked earlier about the fact that, you know, it, I, I had to have a lot of courage to leave. Well, um, it was also something I had to do for my own well-being and, you know, to be out on my own and running my own shop and instead of being, you know, told what to do and, and um, you know, do it. Anyway, I, I think it, it, you know, the, the challenge of being successful in the, the business world or academia is one of the biggest challenges we have as women, especially being a woman of color. It sounds like it's also been really liberating for you to be able to be your own boss yes. um, and to move out of having to report to or um, to be at 
sort of the, um, not mercy, but, or maybe you do feel that way of others and sort of waiting for, for them to react or respond, whereas mm -hmm. you can take on that leadership role and be able to be proactive. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that, that, you know, part of the problem is, you know, you having a president and a board of trustees or whoever it may be, you know, when you're in, in kind of an executive position and yet you still have difficulty, you know, getting your ideas out and, and being able to try innovative things, you know, that was very frustrating for me because uh, a lot of the people in higher ed, you know, they want the status quo or, you know, they want to do things the way they've always done them. And, you know, actually the reason I was successful at University of Texas at Austin was because I was entrepreneurial and innovative and, and tried to do new things. Um, so, you know, there, it just depends on the environment and that environment can change, you know, even within an organization. That was my experience at Texas. You know, I had, a, a, I call the golden years where I was doing really well and had a lot of support and then the administration changed and it wasn't as supportive. So, you know, it, that's a hard thing to, to have to manage, but um, I think it's important that we become aware of what the external pressures are on us and, and how they're impacting us more generally. Can you tell us um, a uh, surprising or a fact about you that we haven't learned yet already? Well, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, since I grew up partly in the 60s, early 70s, you know, I, I, I was a big Star, you know, original Star Trek fan. And um, I really love, uh, you know, the um, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, Marvel, you know, anything superhero. <laughs> so that's, is, yeah. Is there a theme there with superheroes and you? And, and can tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I have to say one of the reasons I was excited to be on this podcast is because my favorite superhero is Wonder Woman. And oh. even before the most recent movie, I had um, a Wonder Woman Halloween costume I would wear on a regular basis. And even, um, I'm also a runner. Um, and when sometimes when I do my races, I would, uh, you know, I have a Wonder Woman kind of t-shirt with a cape that I would wear. And I have Wonder Woman socks. <laughs> I love that, it. That's great. That's really fantastic. I love that. Um, so, uh, superheroes, so Star Trek, you said, and sci-fi as well were, yes. are and that's been since your childhood. Yep, absolutely. Is there, are there any new superheroes that you've um, fallen for? Um, yeah, um, I, you know, it's funny because I haven't watched it yet, but I, I love Regina King and I really want to watch the Watchmen series. Um, that's next on my to watch list. And actually, I have to say, Black Panther <laughs> is my, um, I love Black Panther. And I have to say um, that uh, if I, I always, I tell my husband, he's an engineer, and I'm like, man, if I had had Shiri as a role model when I was a kid, I would be a mechanical engineer today. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right, so now, and who says awesome. that you can do it? Awesome movie. <laughs> yes. That's one of the best, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't actually. I, I, I love what she does, but I'm, you know, I'm. I have plenty to do. I'm not going to try to be a mechanical engineer today. <laughs> have you um seen the new Wonder Woman, Gail Godot? Oh, have of you... course. Yeah. I yes. I was in the theaters within a, the first few days of that coming out, and the second movie. Um. 
So yeah, absolutely. I might be, I might be predating myself, but Linda Carter, did oh. you watch her? Oh, are you kidding? Linda Carter. Uh, she's, to me, she will always be the original Wonder Woman. I follow her on Facebook and <laughs> I'm, a, I'm still a big fan of hers. That's great. And I'm sure that, um, I mean, it's with young people that you're working with, um, particularly girls, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what advice would you give them? Well, you know, it's easy, although, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but I know how hard this can be for young girls. And and that is to focus on building their self-confidence because I've, I've, you know, I follow all this research about what happens to girls. And we know that in um, middle school is when girls stop, you know, talking in class and, you know, start doing worse in math and science. And and um, so, you know, I do a lot of work in the community. I'm a, I'm a volunteer addict and I'm, I've been on 10 nonprofit boards and it's all related to youth and, um, you know, uh, helping students in high school get to college, things like that. And so I really try to focus on helping to build their self-esteem um, and, you know, build their confidence because, you know, for girls, uh, I just remember what it was like being a girl and, you know, wanting to hang out with boys and, you know, all of that stuff. And, and, you know, I had some really great um, counselors and mentors during when I was, especially when I was in high school. And, you know, I know people find it hard to believe that I had issues with self-confidence when they see me today, but, um, you know, it was a really tough time, uh, you know, growing up in the seventies as a a black girl in Spokane, Washington, you know, even though I was a star of the track team and I had straight A's and all that. I mean, you know, there's different ways that girls, you know, can get off track. And I, I had really good support during that time, luckily. Terry, I think you are, I don't think, I know you are a Wonder Woman. I mean, <laughs> you are a Wonder Woman. Thank you. <laughs> if, if, if people want to know more about where they can find this Wonder Woman, um, yes. how can they reach you? So I'm all over social media. First of all, the, there's my website, which is www.terrygivens.com. Um, I have a Facebook page. I have, um, I'm on, and actually for those of you in business, please connect with me on LinkedIn, just T-E-R-R-I-G-I-V-E-N-S. Look me up. I'm, I'm, uh, on LinkedIn all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, Twitter. I, I love Twitter at, at just at Terry Givens. Um, and Twitter is where I really get a lot of my business and, um, you'll find out what's going on in academia and, and the news. And as a political scientist, I'm a total news junkie. And it's my husband, I drive him crazy because I'll be on Twitter finding out the latest and he'll come up and say, oh, did you hear it? I'm like, oh yeah, I heard about that 12 hours ago. <laughs> so. can, can you also remind our audience the um, your new release, your new yes, book? Yes, absolutely. So go to Amazon and just type in Terry Givens and, and the book is called Radical Empathy. And um, it's also available for my, my publisher, Bristol University Press, but that's if you're in the UK by chance and listening to this. But um, yeah, it's on Amazon. And actually, some indi- uh, I know some indie bookstores have started uh, listing it as well. It's, it's actually um, in pre-order right now and will be coming out soon. And actually, if for some reason you want to get it before, um, you know, if you pre-order and want to get a copy, just email me at terry at terrygivens.com and I'll be happy to uh, send you a preview of the book. That's great. Thank you, Terry. Um, thank you for sharing your story and your time with us. Um, and thank you to our audience uh, for tuning in. And I hope everyone enjoys their day.
Yes.